Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm Jack Llewellyn, and as always, thank you for joining me. Over the last couple of weeks, we looked at a lot of testimony, and we cited directly two trial transcripts from two of the Camarena-related criminal trials, specifically the 1990 and 1992 trials, which we know as Zuno 1 and Zuno 2. Frankly, might have beaten that topic to death. So we're going to move today from 1990-1992 to more of the, the present day. And we're going to talk about some events over the last weekend, earlier in this week, and discuss how they might affect things going on between the two countries and with the narcotics trafficking. Specifically, of course, we're talking about the extradition of Ovidio Guzman. So what I want to do is set um, a, a basis for us so that we know who we're talking about. We've talked about Los Torpedos a lot, but I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. So the Sinaloa cartel currently has principally two factions, right? They've got the faction of El Mayo. And they've got Los Chapitos. Those are the sons of El Chapo Guzman, who formerly was, if not the head of or co-head of, a he had a leadership role in the Sinaloa cartel. He was eventually captured after a couple of escapes, taken to the United States, tried, convicted, and now he resides about 100 miles south of me in Florence, Colorado, at Supermax. He had a number of kids and a number of marriages. But Los Chupitos are generally referred to as four of his sons. Ovidio Guzman Lopez, Ivan Archivaldo Guzman Salazar, Jesus Alfredo Guzman Salazar, also known as Alfredillo, and Joaquin Guzman Lopez. Briefly, a lot of insiders or supposed insiders claim that Alfred Dio has a particularly prominent role with, with Los Chapitos and, and in the, the Sinaloa cartel or their faction of the Sinaloa cartel. He's listed on DEA's most wanted list, is said to have very close ties to Colombia and other traffickers and drug organizations within South and Central America. Joaquin keeps a very low profile. Yvonne is someone who, um, at least in the past, had a pretty high profile role, at least for a wanted drug trafficker on social media, was flashy, had lots of sports cars, women, boats, etc. That seems to have died down just a little bit. Um, some of the channels on social media that allegedly belonged to Yvonne have been discontinued, are no longer available, posts have been taken down. And then you have Ovidio. So Ovidio was born March 29. 1990. He's the son of El Chapo's second wife. He was raised at least early in his life in Mexico City. Um, 
And there's not a heck of a lot known about him um, and, and a lot of his early life for, uh, you know, the obvious reasons. We've talked about in the past just how difficult it is to get information on some of these people. He's referred to as El Raton or the Mouse. He's uh, listed at five foot seven and said to be 171 pounds. And I got to tell you, I've seen pictures of him. He ain't 171 pounds. If he's 5'7", he ain't 171 pounds. You may remember Ovidio was captured, captured for the second time, frankly. Uh, But he was captured in Culiacan in January of this year, an early morning raid transported to a prison in Mexico City where he has been um, since then. It may have actually been transferred between two prisons, but that's uh, neither here nor there. We talked at the time of the capture about some of the logistics around the raid. Remember, there was a lot of retribution, a lot of um, gunfights, violence in Culiacan as a result of his arrest. We also talked about the fact that reports are that he had actually escaped, that he had gotten wind uh, that the raid was coming, was fleeing his residential area when he got a call from his wife who said that his daughter was having a nervous breakdown. You know, at this point, there are helicopter gunships and things. And the, the story is that a video actually went back to the house where he arranged to surrender on the condition that his family was taken care of or, or not um, not otherwise harmed. So that's January of this year. The first reports, and this will be important when we talk in a couple of minutes, the first reports of an extradition process started in late February of this year. Then in April of this year, April 18th, a number of indictments, sealed indictments, were unsealed. These indictments charged Los Chapitos and a few people connected to Los Chapitos with a whole series of crimes. And... They were filed in the Northern District of Illinois. According to the indictment, the Chapitos in particular were charged under the Continuing Criminal Enterprise Statute, which is a statute designed to target large-scale drug traffickers and those who are responsible for long-term and complex drug conspiracies, Additional charges included drug trafficking, money laundering, firearms, and uh, associated crimes. In the press release issued by the Drug Enforcement Administration in connection with the unsealing of these indictments, the DEA says, Los Chapitos are alleged alleged, to have repeatedly and consistently obtained and transported multi-ton quantities of cocaine from and through Central America, including Colombia, Ecuador, Venezuela, Peru, Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras, and Guatemala into Mexico, 
stored that cocaine throughout Mexico and transported it across the U.S.-Mexico border for further distribution throughout the United States. The Chapitos and members of the Sinaloa cartel also allegedly obtained, manufactured, and distributed other drugs, including marijuana, heroin, and methamphetamine, knowing and intending that such drugs would be imported into and distributed throughout the United States. Los Chapitos also allegedly obtained precursor chemicals for the manufacture of synthetic drugs and operated laboratories to manufacture methamphetamine. The indictment said the defendants, Los Chapitos, obtained guns and other weapons, bribed corrupt public officials, and incited, threatened, and enraged violence, including murder, kidnapping, assault, and battery against law enforcement, rival drug traffickers, and members of their own drug trafficking organization. The um, the indictments were interesting, and we talked about them at the time, but they were interesting because of the amount of information that was given in them. In, in essence, they provided the most comprehensive look at the operations of the Sinaloa cartel, and they had allegations that went back as many as 15 years ago. Um, the DEA said, in part, the indictment describes the cartel's alleged drug transportation and distribution networks, its financial infrastructure that has laundered hundreds of millions of dollars in illicit proceeds, and the extensive use of violence to maintain power, including an internal power struggle. There's a quote in here, um, and this again is the the press release from the DEA, but there's a quote from U.S. Attorney Randy Grossman. He says, Today we deliver the most, most crushing blow to the Sinaloa cartel since the conviction of Chapo Guzman. We have charged Chapo's four sons with leading a criminal enterprise built on trafficking tons of deadly drugs into our nation, money laundering, and murder. So there you have it. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I want you to keep in mind the the phrase that he uses. We have delivered the most crushing blow to the Sinaloa cartel since the conviction of El Chapo. Not much happens, indictments are out there, and then, kind of out of nowhere, at least, you know, on the outside, last Friday, September 15th, Ovidio is moved, moved from his prison, and is extradited to the United States, and specifically is taken to Chicago. There is a photograph of a video that's made the circuits, and it was taken by a DEA agent who was on the plane. Shows him in a, you know what appears to be a, a private jet, handcuffed in um, tan prison outfit. He looks to me older than uh, than in some of the earlier pictures. But doesn't look, you know, gaunt or anything. Doesn't look like he's been abused in prison. Just a, a personal observation. But he's taken to Chicago. And Chicago has now become 
have a focal point for some of these types of charges and, and indictments. So in addition to the indictments of Los Chapitos in April, there's a couple of other active cases going on in Chicago that I think are interesting. So on October 2, the um, U.S. Attorney's Office put out a, a press release or an announcement that said that a federal drug trafficking investigation resulted in charges against a dozen individuals for allegedly trafficking fentanyl-laced heroin, cocaine, and other drugs on the south side of Chicago. The, uh, the announcement went on to say the multi-year investigation led by the FBI Chicago field office utilized numerous controlled narcotics purchases, covert surveillance operations, and wiretapped communications to shut down two separate drug trafficking operations. Some of the defendants allegedly supplied or sought to supply drugs to customers in other states, including Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Ohio. One of the defendants allegedly possessed a loaded semi-automatic handgun while engaged in his drug trafficking activities. During the investigation, law enforcement seized nearly 400,000 in suspected illicit cash proceeds, distribution quantities of cocaine, heroin, and marijuana, Bentley and Mercedes-Benz automobiles, and a custom-built motorcycle. Then on August 23rd, so less than a month ago, another press release, a federal drug trafficking investigation has resulted in charges against 10 individuals for allegedly trafficking uh, fentanyl-laced heroin and other drugs on the south side of Chicago. Criminal complaints filed in federal court in Chicago alleged that the defendants were affiliated with the Gangster's Disciples, a Chicago street gang. The traffickers allegedly used a designed and designated cellular telephone to receive and service narcotics orders with various defendants taking shifts, working the phone to distribute narcotics. So that's, again, where you have, um, you know, lots of activity in Chicago. More importantly, you have a U.S. Attorney's Office that is used to these types of crimes, these types of prosecutions. So what can we say about the extradition? Well, for one, we can look at the timeline. So again, just to reiterate, Ovidio was arrested in January of this year. Extradition process started in late February, at least to the best of our information. You get the indictments in April, and then he's extradited in September. That, my friends, is a very fast timeline for somebody of Ovidio's importance. Now, that got a lot of people excited, right? There's got to be a deal. He's going to roll on somebody. He's taking somebody down with him. He's providing information. He's going to go into WITSEC, you know, whatever the case. Lots of things because of how quick it was. Certainly those questions are there. Why did it go so quickly? 
Um, was this part of the Mexican government, the Mexican judiciary pushing this? All of those kinds of questions. But don't, don't get too excited yet about the possibility of great information coming out of Ovidio's capture, his arrest, uh, and even his trial. As, um, as my friend Bill Conroy pointed out to me on LinkedIn, this isn't the first time where a high-level person from a cartel or a drug trafficking organization has been captured under circumstances that might make you think that they are going to talk, and they don't. It just doesn't happen like you would think. So keep some hope. Maybe good information comes out, but we never know. On Monday, which would have been September 18th, Ovidio appeared in federal court in Chicago, had about a 15-minute hearing. He was in your standard prison orange, leg shackles. Uh, he had headphones to uh, hear the translator. It was about a 15-minute proceeding. He pled not guilty to all five of his charges. Now, there are some reports out there saying that the death penalty was taken off the table, which demonstrates that Ovidio is cooperating with the government. That's crap, okay? Don't buy that. He had five charges against him. One of the charges carries a mandatory life sentence. Three carry possible life sentences, but not mandatory. And one has a life or a mandatory sentence um, or a possible maximum sentence. I'm sorry, about possible maximum sentence of 20 years. So you got 20 years, maximum sentence of life in prison, and then you got one of mandatory a sentence of life in prison. The death penalty was never part of these charges. Nothing was taken off the table, so you can't read anything into it. Okay. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, um, Ovidio's lawyer, or at least one of the lawyers, is Jeffrey Lichtman, who is notable for several reasons. Uh, not the least of which is his defense in various trials of John Gotti Jr. And his defense of El Chapo when El Chapo was tried in the Eastern District of New York. Mr. Lichtman said after the hearing on Monday that Ovidio would not be providing evidence, information, or testimony against his brothers. Okay. Specifically referred to his brothers as opposed to anyone else in the cartel or other cartels or the government, etc. Um, I do find it interesting that it's the same lawyer. Here's what we do know for sure. If this case goes to trial, no offense to anyone, 
Mr. Lickman is a well-known lawyer, very good, lots of resources. This is not a case that can be won. Hey, Ovidio Guzman is not going to be found not guilty of all of the charges charged against him, okay? It's just not going to happen. So, where does this leave us? Where are things now? Couple of questions. Number one, is there some kind of a deal or arrangement? If I had to guess at the moment, my answer is no. If there ends up being a deal, and a lot of you out there listening know this stuff better than I do. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I really would. And I've communicated with some and and looked at some social media from, from others. But if you think that there's... Uh, you know, a deal out there or an arrangement, let me know. My assumption on a lot of these cases is that if there is information provided, it's not provided in a grand, you know, testimonial outpouring of, of guilt. It's not presented in public. It's not well known. It's subtle information that may help at the margins. Okay? But think about it. You know, his dad, El Chapo, was on trial. You had El Vincentio, you know, giving information. But El Chapo never got up and said, you know what, folks, let me tell you how this really went down. Let me tell you every government person I ever talked to. Let me tell you. You know, other things. Now, again, you got them being a little flipped because you've got your trial issues. But El Chapo had to have had information that he could have spilled. And as far as we know, he really didn't. The same thing can be said about Ben Hameen. You know, if we can go down the list. So, again, nothing on the surface to indicate that there's a grand deal or some type of arrangement. If there is. We'll see it later on down the road. Or it, again, is subtle. It's at the margins, and it may provide some help for a video going forward. But it's not going to involve him being in WITSEC. And, you know, and he's certainly not going to be, you know, uh, have, have a short prison sentence and be like El Chapo's wife who gets out. And then goes and parties in, in L.A. where everybody, including TMZ, can see and, and video her. Okay, so that's that's number one. Number two, how does this affect the Sinaloa cartel? How does this affect Los Chapitos? The reality is he's been gone. You know, I mean, he was captured in January. People, again, may have more information than I do, but there is nothing out there to suggest that CDS is somehow now unstable because of Ovidio's absence. There is nothing to suggest that... Um, it, it, you know, most Chapitos somehow can't operate. 
alone without him. And previous to his being captured, the assumption was the two main forces amongst those torpedoes were Yvonne and Alfred Dio. And as we've talked about, they've got a whole network around them. You know, so the idea, and this is this goes back to a strategy or a series of strategies of do you go after the low-level people? Do you go after the mid-level people? Or are you trying to chop the head off the snake? And I think a lot of people think either you got to get all the snakes at the same time, or if you chop off one head of a snake, there's going to be another snake, and then another snake after that, and another snake after that. So there's no evidence at this point that CDS or Los Chapitos have been dramatically affected by um, Ovidio's arrest and now his extradition. And then remember what we talked about with the statement from U.S. Attorney Randy Grossman. Crushing blow to the Sinaloa cartel. I looked to try to find anything, anywhere, that seemed to suggest that the flow of drugs from Mexico or through Mexico into the United States dissipated at all as a result of Ovidio's arrest in January. And maybe something's out there, but I couldn't find it. Nothing, nothing to suggest that. Now, something that I do find interesting. Remember when Ovidio was captured in January? Kulia Khan was in a war zone. Remember there were gunfights at the airport. There was an Aero Mexico plane that was fired on or, you know, kind of was caught in crossfire. There were, you know, there were deaths. There were roads closed off. It, it was a mess. There has been very little reaction like that to the extradition. What does that mean? I'm not sure. But, but, social media has alleged that a statement came out from Yvonne. And the statement from Yvonne Translated into English says, one is never aware of the patience that revenge can have. I find to be a fascinating statement if it belongs to him. And so, you know, is there going to be retribution? Are there going to be consequences? Probably. One other thing that I should mention is... There are lots and lots of stories, including pictures and videos that you don't want to share uh, around the house or the office of people who have been killed by or on the orders of those Chapitos because they are suspected of having cooperated with the DEA or the Mexican government in connection with Ovidio's arrest. So the notion that Los Chapitos and CDS will take retribution against those they think did them wrong, you know, 
please don't think that that's ever going to stop them. Um, and the notion that Yvonne and others in Los Chapitos are going to pick a time and a place for retribution is a very distinct possibility as well. Okay. That's a little bit shorter than our normal one, um, our normal program. But I wanted to talk about this because I think it's interesting. Um, I'm going to talk in the next couple of weeks a little bit more about the Sinaloa cartel um, and kind of how it operates and the, the connection between Los Tupidos and, and El Mayo. And again, spend a few weeks talking about a little bit more of current events as always, if there's anything you think is important, anything you'd like to hear, anything you'd like to talk about, anyone who'd like to come on and talk, please, please let me know. We are back on YouTube. According to a couple of comments, we were actually missed by people over the summer, did a lot less on YouTube. Back, started off with some news updates, but look for us there. And that is Cartels, Conspiracies, and Cam Reina for this week. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.